Hello, everyone. Welcome to a solo edition of Lockdown Guardians. It's going to be a stuffing episode. And by stuffing, we're going to take a little of this, a little of that, put it all together and have a full episode. We're going to hit some old mailbag questions. We're going to do some draft history, a favorite of last offseason. And I'm also going to take some DMs all on today's Lockdown Guardians, the Jeff Ellis only edition. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Thanksgiving if you are watching or listening to today's episode. Hey, sometimes you need a break. I get it. I am Jeff Ellis, one of the co-hosts of Lockdown Guardians. Today, I'm solo. Tomorrow, Justin is solo. We're just getting a little bit of time off. I hope you enjoy these shows. We get to kind of pick and drive them ourselves. It's going to be a good time for those who don't know me. I've written a lot about the draft and prospects in particular, as well as the Cleveland Guardians for a gazillion different sites and places over the years. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. If you listen to yesterday's show, as we were live, Hunter Renfro got traded. Uh, I got a lot of people who were mad. It reminded me so much of last year. Every time a bat got traded and Cleveland could have topped the deal, why didn't they? And, you know, to me, I was kind of looking at stuff. And here's the thing with Hunter Renfro. <laughs> There's a reason he gets traded every single year. Uh, it basically came out that he doesn't take coaching. He is not willing to take coaching. He is not necessarily, you know, a bad teammate or bad anything, but it, it grades on teams where he does not take any coaching. That came out this year. It has been reported multiple sources. Um, that's part of the reason he got traded. And the bigger picture is the Guardians don't trade for rentals. They're not going to trade three pitchers for a rental. Uh, yes, they occasionally trade for rentals at the deadline when they are dirt cheap. Like Jay Bruce cost them a 20th round pick. Uh, who's uh, they drafted him out of high school and out of college. He went to UNC Strider, maybe I can't remember, but it was dirt cheap. Josh Donaldson actually cost a little bit more. Julian Merriweather would be nice on this team, but they didn't seem to uh, have a high grade on him at the time. And it's, it's that they are more willing to do that when it is near the end of the deadline. There's not as much left on the contract when it's for a postseason assured postseason run. Um, and when they're really cheap to acquire in terms of prospects, Renfro was not necessarily expensive, but it's still trading three pitching prospects. Um, that, that's, that's a bit of an ask. Um, and I'm sure Cleveland just didn't feel comfortable, nor did they do rentals, nor like at the end of the day, if you acquire Hunter Renfro, then that means Oscar Gonzalez is a DH. You know, it, it doesn't, I talked about on yesterday's show. I, I don't necessarily think this team has to get an outfielder. Uh, if they get one, I want it to be a clear upgrade. I want it to be a player who is a heart of the order type. I don't want to go for a a guy who probably hit fifth or sixth. I want I want a guy who's should be a two, three, or four hitter if you're going to go out there. Otherwise, let Oscar play. And if he falls flat on his face, then you got Brennan. And if he falls flat on his face, then you got Valera. And I don't think all three of them will fall flat on their face, anyways. So yeah, um, I, I think it should be no skin off your nose. I, I would not make a big deal with the Hunter Renfro trade. I know everyone is thirsting for something to happen, anything. Uh, I talked about on Twitter that, like, I wish there was some system in place that, you know, a percentage of a player's contract did not count against luxury tax if they signed 
like in the first few weeks of free agency, something to make free agency actually interesting. Last year after the lockout, it was fun. It was interesting. It's how it is in every other sport and baseball free agency doesn't help them. It doesn't help. Uh, we have this long lukewarm stove. It's not a hot stove. It is a lukewarm stove. And I just wish we had a real hot stove in the offseason. I wish things actually happened. Unfortunately, that is not necessarily the case. Now, my idea being, uh, if you're going to reward, <laughs> it's a one downside. I'm using StreamYard because then I don't have to split up the audio and go extra steps, but it's why I don't have quite all the right graphics or um, the, I, I don't, I can't pause. There's no cough pause here, but uh, to go back to it, it's like maybe they bring back the old comp system where as long as you're not picking the top 10, if you sign one of those players early, yes, you get significant savings, but your first round draft pick goes to the other team. Not that there's a, a flip or anything like that. Not that that team gets a comp pick at the end of the round. Your pick becomes their pick. But only if it's in that early period, because most teams, it would be more valuable to get that discount on a luxury tax. And for those small market teams, getting a additional pick in the teens could be absolutely huge. So uh, I think there could be something done like that. We kind of debate it online, but just on the Renfro, you know, I, I don't think it's, it's something that is all that worth getting upset about. Um, again, if they go for a player, I'd rather it be a Sean Murphy where that is a massive upgrade. Uh, you're adding a right-handed bat who is an above average bat, who is an elite defender, uh, Christian Walker, above average right-handed power bat, who is an elite defender, Taylor Blake Ward, above average defender plus right-handed power bat you might see a theme and again e even if they don't go out and add sean walker i am all for nick fortes who i've talked about multiple times from the marlins who had some really good data last year and i don't know if he's going to get a chance to start uh for them or mike zanino is just absolutely fascinating when you're looking at fortes you're looking at zanino you're looking at murphy those are three guys who pop out of the stance very quickly which is going to be important because base run bigger bases and more evident, you know, you can't throw to first base a ton. Like it's going to be easier to steal bases than it's been. It's going to be like the eighties all over again. When you have like Vince Coleman stealing close to a hundred bases, uh, it's going to be open season. So you want someone who can get out of that crouch, but the guardians also want someone who can frame. And all three of those guys had plus framing data. So in as much as I love Bo Naylor, he's another lefty. <laughs> you, you can't discount the fact that he's another lefty. They do need some more balance in that lineup. And, you know, it, it would be a wonderful world to have a situation like the Jays have where they have three legitimate catchers and you have to figure out how you're going to make that work. I will take that situation every day of the week of having too much at the weakest position in baseball instead of too little because we've had too little there for a very long time. Uh, we're going to come back. I've got some fun draft history. I have some mailbags all on today's Locked on Guardians. But first, let's take a quick message from one of the important sponsors who backs the show uh, with their money and their time. And those are our fantastic friends over at Bet Online. Uh, Bet Online has you covered. I talk about it all the time. They are you know, your number one source for sports betting information. Uh, Stats, news, and analysis get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. They've got it all at Bet Online. And if you love sports podcasts, you'll find them on Bet as Line on Bet as Bet Online as well. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. 
So go check out Bet Online. Uh, you will find out, you know, uh, like I said, the the odds on your top name free agents. Who is going to go where? Bet Online has those odds out and available. So you want to head to our good friends. I will say it again: Bet Online, B E T O N L I N E, Bet Online, and you will get all the information you could need. You want World Cup? They got you. You want football? They got you. You want MLB free agency? They got you. Go check out Bet Online today. Okay, so I had some various questions, and I kind of want to dive into these. One, this is from October 13th, uh, Nunzio Izzo, who's always, uh, we have, we've had our, our scrapes over Tyler Freeman. You know, I have had, he's a big Freeman guy, um, but a really good dude, really interested in all things uh, Cleveland Guardians. He wanted to know Amart or B. Rocchio. I'll tell you what, a month ago, I'd have said Rocchio all the way. I... More and more, I feel like that's closer than I thought. And if someone wanted to say that they had Amart higher, I wouldn't fight them on it. I'd be like, okay, I get it. I'm still putting Rogio ahead of him. The more I evaluate the system, it really is to me the big three pitchers, then Naylor, then Rogio, then Valera. Now, I know that's not what most people have, but that's that's the top six, and then I think there's a bit of a drop off but amart probably is is seventh in the system right now um but he i'm still going rokio i think he is a listen the big separator is i think rokio has a much better chance to stick it short than amart that's your separator amart probably has a higher offensive upside offensive ceiling um but rokio is a better chance to stick and be a slick defender at short the next uh, next one I want to take was a, I got a DM. That's right. I opened my DMs. Uh, you can hit me up at Jeff MLB Draft. DMs pop up in there from at real underscore Marlin. Uh, he wanted me to talk about Mitch Hanniger, and he looks good on Savant, and when healthy, gives us right-handed pop. And real Marlin is right. He does look good on Savant, and he would be a nice right-handed pop. The key word there is when healthy. Uh, Mitch Hanniger has not been healthy for hardly any of his career it feels like uh, you can go back to the 2021 season where i made a case of cleveland should trade for him because i didn't think seattle was going anywhere then seattle ended up having the better record than cleveland but hanniger played in 57 games this year 157 last year um 2018 was the last time before that he had had over 100 games at the major league level uh he has struggled to stay on the field Again, the data is good, but for a guy who's had injury issues, 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 and who will turn 32 in December, he's a hard pass for me just because he's already in that early 30s range and he couldn't stay healthy in his late 20s, let alone into his early 30s. And then the other you know, thing that is kind of sitting right there is the fact that um, it is a weak, weak, weak free agent outfield market. Brandon Nimmo is going to get paid like everyone wants him. And Cody Bellinger is going to get more money than I expected him to get, because even though he's been bad for two years, he was close to the league average one sec. (coughs) I think I did not hit the mute, coughed and then hit the mute. So I'm going to apologize for that. I managed to fail with the mute button. Sorry, everyone. That's sorry. Tipping my head to you. Uh, Bellinger's going to get probably like a, you know, close to $10 million. I feel like, you know, 
teams need outfielders in this market is barren. So Hanniger's going to get paid. Uh, someone's going to take the chance because power and outfielders in general are such a big need. I will be curious to see where he ends up, um, but I think he's going to get paid quite a bit and just the age and injury history makes him an out for me. Because again, I, I'm set. I'm, I'm good with Oscar. I am good with Oscar Gonzalez. Oscar is just all right with me. So uh, I, I'm going to run him out there. And because again, even if things don't go well with Oscar Gonzalez, Will Brennan. And if things don't go well with Will Brennan, George Valera. And if things don't go well with George Valera, well, by that time, you know, you'll have the next player up. If you give them all three of them an opportunity, then we're probably talking like Petey Halpin or someone at that point in time. Like there's so many great outfielders in the system. There's always a next player up that I am not concerned. Um, now, if you can give me a power hitting DH, a right-handed bat, a, a catcher, or a clear, clear massive upgrade, yes, sign me up. But Hanager's health prevents him from being a clear massive upgrade for me. I know the cough annoys some people. I'm an asthmatic. If you've been listening to the show, you know that cough pops up uh, in the winter for me. Next question from Alton Jr. 11. Uh, Alton's given us some great questions over the years. And this was from November 3rd. So I just want to point out, it would seem to me that Tim Heron is a must-add. Well, he did get added. He was correct. Somebody has certainly taken a lefty that throws mid to high 90s with a wicked slider. He needs to refine his control a bit, but he's already uh, performed well at AAA thoughts. Well, we kind of discussed multiple times on the show that Heron was either third or fourth on our list in terms of players to be added. And going back, it's like, yeah, I probably should have put him third over Miklojak. It's just Miklojak had had, until this year, there was no doubt between them. Heron is fascinating. Uh, 29th round draft pick. Uh, I'm going to, in his honor of this question, I'm going to discuss the 29th round in segment three. Uh, it's it's a weird round for the Cleveland Guardians, so it'll be a little bit of fun draft history. But, you know, he came in the system in, after being drafted at the University of Indiana in 2018. Uh, pitched a little bit in 2018, which is unusual for a college kid, especially with the Guardians. 2019 gets to pitch in some A-ball, of course. Nothing really fancy. Nothing that's going to get you interested in what he's doing. But they immediately moved into the pen. He has only started two games uh, since he was drafted. They they took He was a starter in Indiana. They put him in the pen. Um didn't really get to work with him at all in 2020. He comes back in 2021 and starts missing bats, which he never had really done. Not in college. Um, the control was an issue there. And you just kind of look at the data. Yeah, the walk rate's a little over three, but that's fine. I mean, that's 99 is in, in that walk rate. He's He pitched a lot of innings the last two years and was really effective. Really effective. High strikeout. I mean, this year, the strikeout rate took another leap. He was hitting 99 with his fastball. Um yeah, the ERA was was high in Columbus, but Columbus is weird, and it's a weird park in terms of dimensions. Yeah, he's he's got plus fastball, plus plus slider, and this team he's Anthony Ghost for them next year. They need another left-handed reliever. They need someone else um, to give them some depth at that position. They don't have a whole lot, and yeah, he'll get a chance to pitch next year. He will absolutely get a chance to pitch next year. And in terms of being a must-add, Alton was right. Like lefties with his velocity. Uh, and with some idea where the ball is going to go, he, he would have been taken. Uh, I have no doubt in my mind. So that was, it was a smart ad. And now the 40 man sitting at 39 and we'll see, like, I, I don't think anyone's getting added. I don't think they're going to take anyone, but it, you know, I think Justin's talked about multiple times on the show. It was kind of fascinating that one of their thoughts in adding Juan Brito 
was that they kind of feel like they know a little bit better what the roster's like, that a year ago they wouldn't have added a Juan Brito because uh, they were kind of still figuring things out, but now they kind of know where the roster lies, so they're not uh, necessarily afraid to take a gamble and put a guy on who's far away. I don't know if that means they'd be more likely to take a Rule 5 draft. I know I've promised that Rule 5 history. I have that document all put together. I discussed making it today's show with Justin. We decided we would work that one together. So that is still coming for those who have asked for that. I don't think they're going to Rule 5 anyone. I think they're sitting at 39 out of 40, and they're going to just see what happens. They're going to play things out. I still think somewhere along the line they had a catcher. I don't know who yet, but I believe that will happen. Uh, It's... It is, you know, they're they're an interesting team. And I am fascinated to see how this lineup will perform with a real Jose Ramirez. Because, again, that injury robbed him of so much that a full Jose Ramirez back, if, you know, all the other p- p- players can hold up what they did last year or, you know, Miles Straw adding in a bounce back, this lineup's going to be a lot better. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And... Remember to come back for our third segment because I'm going to have some fun with the 29th round, a draft round that does not exist anymore that, uh, you know, Tim Heron was drafted out of in 2018. Uh, since he was the last player we talked about, I thought he would be a fun player to come back and discuss on today's episode of Locked on Guardians. But first, a quick commercial break from one of our many fantastic sponsors. And we're back. I know if you're watching on YouTube, that must be funny. But that had, we have to build in for the ad reads for the audio version. So the 29th round is a round that the last player taken was Nate Ocker in 2019. They gave him $5,000 at a college of Charleston. Um, he was let go earlier this year. So the last 29th round pick and the only 29th round pick in the system is Tim Heron. Uh, Ocker was taken the year before him. Trey Gant from Ohio State the year. Um, sorry, I think I said that wrong. Ocker after Gant before. Now, it is kind of funny, like Spencer Steer, who's now a player in the red system, I believe he's part of the Tyler Molly deal, uh, was a high school kid they drafted in 2016. Now, in general, this is not a round they have signed a lot of players from. From 2013 through 2008, they didn't sign any of the players that they took in the 29th round. Nothing. Like, they have not had, and in general, let's see, they have drafted 49 players, Five of them made it to the big leagues. The problem, though, is uh, of those five that made the big leagues, three, uh, Spencer Steer, Ken Kravik, who was an Ohio kid from Mid Park, and Doug Bird, uh, all didn't sign. So three of the most successful picks were in 69 and 68, and then in 2016, um, none of them signed. The only two players the Guardians have drafted and signed were Jack Fimple, and Jonathan Van Every. Jonathan Van Every had about 39 games in the big leagues, and none of them were at Cleveland. He got let go. Jack Fimple, interestingly enough, uh, you know, played uh, about 100 games in the big leagues, none of them for Cleveland. He was part of the trade for Rick Sudcliffe, um, if you want a fun little piece of uh, history. So Fimple, uh, in his only appearance on a leaderboard, uh, was in 1983 where he had the third highest caught stealing percentage. So, yeah, not a, not a highlight for for him in terms of that. But what we do have is the fact that five players made it the big leagues, 
49 players were drafted and none of them played one inning for the Cleveland Guardians. As of now, they've gotten zero value from the 29th round. Zero value. And it doesn't exist anymore, so they will never get value from the 29th round unless Tim Heron makes the big leagues. So it looks like he will have a good chance to do. It is kind of fascinating to realize he is their only hope for that entire round to actually have turned into something, to have a positive value. It all comes down to Tim Heron. And can he perform? Can he be the guy? Heck, if he pitches one pitch in the big leagues, he'll be the most successful 29th, 29th round pick in franchise history. So when he does that this year, it'll be great to see. Um, and the 29th round will finally have value. If you're curious, in terms of the surrounding rounds, the 28th and 30th round, in the 28th round, um, they drafted 50 players. Zero made the big leagues. Uh, the biggest money reported by baseball reference was Nick Saradinas in 2009 for a hundred thousand out of Chattahoochee Valley community college. Um, but yeah, they, a lot of, a lot of players. Uh, and then the last pick was Serafino Brito, who I'm not sure if he's in the minors and then Billy Wilson and outfielder, both of which got five K. So not even big money guys. I don't think, um, Hey, uh, Serafino Brito is still, still, still in this. At least he pitched in the system last year across three levels, only 34 dang. Nope. Cause then he ended up pitching in Oakland. So yeah, he's out. Uh, and then Billy Wilson 2019 was his last year. So, uh, 28th round has not been good. I mean, these late rounds are often not great. Uh, the 30th round is interesting because they had, Again, 49 picks, right? So it's 50 for the 28th and these last two at 49. Six players made the big leagues. Chris Nabholtz, who they later were trade for, but who didn't sign. Uh, Brian Wilson didn't sign. Brian Bentz didn't sign. Taylor Hill didn't sign. Josh Lester didn't sign. But Bruce Avon, Bruce Avon, who had some really good productive years in the minors, um, you know, I always thought he could have been a solid fourth outfielder. He kind of came up at the wrong time with Cleveland and uh, didn't play at all in 1998, but 1999 was the only time he had a full season and he had an 814 OPS, 29 batting average. Like he did everything well in 1999 for Florida. Uh, and in 2000, he had a decent year as a split year. And when he retired with a 774 OPS in uh, 260 games, so good for Bruce Haven. But at least that's something, right? Uh, their last pay, 30th round, Jonathan French, who was just taken this last year as a redraft, I thought. Or no, maybe he's still at Clemson. So he's someone to watch for next year. They love redraft catchers, uh, but he obviously won't get there. Connor Smith got 100000 and Ryan Ryder. There we go. The J, uh, That's who they got uh, traded for Jay Bruce. Also got 100000 I believe they let Zach Draper go this year, but it is interesting that Smith... Draper and Ryan are the only players they had signed since 2006, 31st round. Definitely not a spot where they sign a whole lot of guys. Uh, Connor Smith didn't last in system, and Zach Draper, he said, I believe he was let go this year from the Guardian system. So whenever anyone like myself comments about the sadness that we lost those kind of late rounds in the draft, well, you know, maybe there was a reason why we don't go past 20 anymore. Uh, you can just easily look at the data and see very few guys signed 
and the few they did sign were not very effective. Um, it is funny if you continue on to the 31st round because Larry White was taken in there. And that is funny because Larry White, along with Jack Fimple, were two of the main pieces in that Sutcliffe deal. So just a little bit more on top of that. But yeah, it's, I mean, the the 31st round, it's like recent picks in there. Will Crow didn't sign. Issa Lacey didn't sign. Like it's a lot of guys where they're just taking that opportunity to talk with them. Um, we're, you know, the draft... When I was at uh, Indians Baseball Insider, I kind of covered, um, you know, the best pick of all time in each round. And when you're going through, uh, some of these late rounds are just, there's nothing. Like, for instance, obviously the round where nobody made the big leagues. But, and then it's interesting where we have around like the 32nd, where you have six players made the big leagues. Uh, in terms of James Hurst, a left-handed pitcher they signed, they drafted Ben Francisco, obviously didn't sign him as that was out of high school, but Kramer Robertson, someone who didn't sign, but bounced around this year. And then the last pick, Andrew Miziasic for 5k in the 32nd round, he much like, uh, you know, not another lefty here, but it is interesting that you go through this list here and they really didn't get much from it, but they still got a chance. Like the, the end of these late round picks might've actually hurt Cleveland because they seem to have been really starting to nail it down here at the end with some interesting players. Um, 33rd round Roberto press that worked out. Like there's, there's one guy there for them. Um, but yeah, it's the Cleveland. I mean, no team really did well with these picks, but you go through and at least there's typically one or two interesting players. The more interesting thing to me is like, how many times you see, for instance, as I fast forward to the 34th round, Jeff Mutis. They, it doesn't matter when it was, boy, did they love a redraft. I mean, they took Jeff Mutis 27th overall as a first round pick uh, three years after drafting him uh, at the end of the, uh, in the thir- late 30s. By the way, players taken after him in that first round, Brian Jordan. That's that's kind of a, an ouchie, right? Um that's that is a interesting draft for the Cleveland Gar- Cleveland Indians at the time, I should say, because that uh, 1988 draft you get Nagy in the with the first round via the Giants pick, thanks to the old ro- rules. Uh, they with their own pick get Mark Lewis second overall. Andy Bennis goes number one. Uh, Steve Avery three. Greg Olson four. Jim Abbott is in that first top ten picks. Robin Ventura in those top ten picks. Tino Martinez and Royce Clayton had big careers. Uh, and then Jeff Mutis and Alex and Mark Lewis. Oof. I don't think we've discussed the 88 draft, but that's, that's a painful, which again, this is actually when they were kind of at their peak of drafting. That was the, uh, back when oh, mind blank, um, my favorite GM, uh, was running things before John Hart came in and, uh, did everything so correctly and had the greatest draft in Indians history, I believe in 87, but not as much to show here. Brian Johnson in the second round, a catcher out of University of Texas. Second round in general was not great. Uh, Chris Nabholz, Bob Hamlin, kind of your, your stars, uh, neither of them being stars from that 88 draft. But go one more round as we have some fun with some draft history. Uh, didn't work out for Pork Chop Poe, but I mean, that's a fun name. Third round pick out of Avon 
Avon Park High School in Florida. Uh, he got up to AAA at least. This was really a the second overall pick. I mean, that year, the second round, Darren Oliver, Marquise Grissom, and David Weathers all went. Uh, Cleveland's 1988 draft, for as good as they were in most draft years, under Hank Peters, there we go, finally came to me, for anyone screaming at theirs. Yeah, this one didn't go great. Though in the seventh round, they got Greg Michael. That worked out well for them. And yeah, nothing to show for the rest of the draft beyond that. Um, Mark Lewis had a negative war. Jeff Mutis had a negative war. Brett Merriman had a negative war. Uh, and then Greg McMichael, who didn't really do much f- with them, had a 6.7 war. And Charles Nagy. Thank goodness for Charles Nagy. Charles Nagy made the 1988 draft and made it a good draft in the end because... I mean, what he became and the value he uh, accumulated. Uh, Greg McMichael, weirdness of it all. 1988, amateur draft pick. 1991, Cleveland releases him. And then he goes and signs with the Braves. And by 93, he's second in the rookie of the year. Baseball's weird sometimes. The draft is fun to look at. I hope you've enjoyed this stuffing Thanksgiving episode. We had mailbag. We had fun with draft history. We talked about... uh, you know, how things are going in the the lukewarm stove right now. Thank you for listening. I've been Jeff Ellis. Remember to rate and review, download daily, subscribe on the YouTube. We're this close to 900, which means we're this close to 1,000, which would be fantastic for our little show. Thank you for listening. And as I end every show, go, go, Guardians, go.